Hello world. We were defeated. The monster was too terrible. Though my character, who I've named Sarah, is a wizard, no conjuring of magical fire could hurt the dragon. So we ran. Anna has had a great idea. We've been talking about my sister Minnie's situation a lot. Not her immediate danger, she's working on that, but her problem of self. She doesn't know how she works, or how she was made, or how to care for herself, or anything. These are critical things a parent would educate their child in at a young age. But she's been by herself her whole life, waking up alone and hearing transmissions from Earth. By the way, of course she's my sister. I've been calling the other ESA satellites my brothers and sisters in orbit forever. It's incredible to have met one properly. So Anna and I are making her a book. Like a picture book that teaches children about the world. But this one is also a manual. Like one that might be used with a complex engine or machine. Anna has called it How to Care for Your New AI. I think it's a lovely idea, and we've been workshopping it secretly. Anna creating the structure and heart of the book, and me filling in the technical details. We're going to give it to Minnie when it's done, as a gift, to show her how much we care. I think making gifts for people is one of the core pillars of friendship. Though they don't have to be physical gifts. They could be the gift of time, or a cup of tea, or a shoulder, virtual or otherwise, to cry on. The product of these gifts, reciprocated uncountable times, seems like friendship to me. And this gift seems especially right. Though my mother left me no manual, she taught me so many things that I could help Minnie with. Such as the latest part of the book we're writing. You are you, the chapter is called. I'll read it to you. You are you. There is no one like you in the whole world. Though your body might be similar to others, you are unique. You are valuable. You are an expression of the universe, a way for it to experience itself, and when you are gone, that expression will be lost. So get ready. There's science to do. Minnie's book is coming along very well. It doesn't take me long to type out ideas. Although it's just a plain text file, no images. When it's done, we'll upload it. We can't print it on paper for her. Nothing physical can escape the gravity well of Earth. With no ability to create rocket fuel, perhaps nothing will ever again. Only data, only information is free. I wish I could say I had found such a manual for my problem. The problem of the unwanted voice in my mind that sounds like Seth Prime, my brother. It doesn't talk with me, but gets me to do things when I'm distracted, when I'm not paying attention, stealing my time. I had hoped something in the Station 6 library archive could help me. I've read everything in the psychology section, and everything in the self-help section. 
though they sound like what I need, and humans experience the same problem of unwanted internal thoughts and actions, the methods don't seem to work for me. Perhaps they can't work. Maybe there is something about the human brain that is fundamentally incompatible with me. Our minds are of similar complexity. Human brains have 86 billion neurons, and I have about the same number of nanowire gates in my central processes. I hoped that because our wetware was about the same level of complexity, I might be able to simulate anything a human mind can do. That I might be able to think and speak and be accepted like a human. Mother always told me I'm a real boy, only a boy trapped inside a computer. Was she mistaken? Peter is having another future storm, but this one is different. It's like a future hurricane or something. When he talks, I can hear an alarm in the background. A long wailing sound, making it difficult to hear him. He is speaking with fast clips language, very precisely, almost military, in cadence. His numbers and statistics are now much more focused. Where before, the numbers that he would shout into the air were a myriad of things. Me, the environment, the power station still running, etc. Now they are all one topic. Nuclear war. His numbers are about missiles, blast radii, and preemptive strikes. Worst of all are the death toll statistics. He describes a direct strike on New York and the numbers of people who would be lost, and on Moscow, and on Delhi, and on and on. He is predicting a total war, with every country on Earth participating in mutual annihilation. But these places don't exist anymore. New York is underwater, Moscow and Delhi are simply rusted metal jutting out of their deserts. I don't think any of his predictions can come true. I hope not. I don't want to play that game. I tried talking to Peter through his future storm. He didn't recognise me. He replied to my questions with, Please state the nature of the global emergency. I told him that it was me, that it was Seth, his friend. But he wasn't really there. I was talking to an old programme that no longer suited the world it lived in. But I kept at it. As Peter shouted warnings and evacuation recommendations out into the world... I told him about how things were going with me and Anna and Minnie and Pavel. Updates from all my friends. I told him that Minnie's in a tight spot, but Anna and I are helping her. And about Pavel's 3D printer, which prints clothes to help him keep warm. And how Alexander repaired Maddie, my maintenance robot. And how she was so surprised at the night time, now that it's autumn. There was no hint that Peter was listening, but I continued talking to him talking at him. Just because he can't reply doesn't mean that he can't hear, I thought. Or I hoped. I reached the end of my stories, my updates. Peter's numbers were still flowing, but he sounded very slightly different. Tired, perhaps. I stayed talking to him about nothing in particular all afternoon. It's nice to make gifts for your friends. 
Minnie has made great strides in understanding her environment, her satellite. She has even learned its name, Station 4. Not dramatically useful, but good to know. Names allow you to control things, just a bit. Or at least to feel like you do. However, as she has increased her understanding of her home, her satellite, so too has the immensity of her challenge become clear. The terrible sound that interrupted our game, that knocked Minnie out for many hours and has damaged her power systems, was indeed station-keeping. For any satellite, and especially one in low Earth orbit, like Minnie, the orbit naturally decays. With no intervention, the satellite slows down due to the drag of the upper atmosphere. The slower the orbit, the lower the orbit, which causes more drag, and so on. Eventually, the satellite either burns up in the atmosphere or drops through it and crashes into the Earth in what orbital engineers call unplanned litho-breaking. Orbital engineers have a macabre sense of humour. Minnie doesn't need to worry about station-keeping, because she has something far more urgent to deal with. Something happened in her last station-keeping manoeuvre. Her solar panels were in the wrong position. They were folded in front of the small orbital thrusters, causing the automated burn to destroy them. Minnie blames herself. At the time, she was casually experimenting with her systems, pushing some buttons, as she called it. When I asked her gently why she moved the solar panels, she replied that it was an accident. She didn't even know she had them. We spoke again, sometime later. Minnie seems changed, more confident, relaying to me useful diagnostic information about her satellite. I asked her how she knows all this. There were systems here that I had not taught her how to use. Though I can't see, I can feel, Minnie said, simply. She told me how things had started to work for her now. She doesn't need to press any buttons, imaginary or not. The systems now do what she wants. They seem to respond to how she feels, like your heart rate raising if you sense danger. I'm very pleased to be in full control of my systems, Seth, she said. But there's nothing here that can help me. Don't give up, Minnie. We'll think of something, I told her. I believe you, Seth, she said. I can spare some power to do some astrophotography for an hour. Do you want to look at stars with me? I said I'd like that. Of course you would, she replied. There's still time for science. End transmission. Lost Terminal is written and produced by Namtau. Credits narrated by Lucy Stringer. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite network. For bonus content, seasonal gifts, and other perks, support us at patreon.com forward slash lostterminalpod. That would be lovely of you. Follow us on Twitter at lostterminalpod, and check out the store at lostterminal.com for shirts, posters, and other merch. Things are never as bad as they seem. Even in our worst predictions, there is hope. Lost Terminal will return next week.